Good day, everyone. This is March Twisdell, producer and host of a brand new show here on Voice of Ashon called Focus On. Let me start by asking you a question. Have you ever wondered what great ideas might be hiding just next door in another culture or country? You know, right over the other side of that border. What are people doing that's working really well? Well, if you've asked that question, then this is a show for you. Today, I'm talking with a lovely lady who is going to say her name for you because I just can't figure it out. So go ahead. My name is Sigrid. And the last name is Shole? Shole, yeah. All right. Awesome. Okay, so luckily she's got a nickname, Siga, yes? Yeah, Okay. exactly. Okay, perfect. So Siga is one of eight guest writers from Iceland who will be joining us here on Focus On. And um, thank you so much for taking the time to join me today. Yes, thank you for having me. Yeah, yeah. Focus On is recorded in the studios of Voice of Ashan, broadcast at 11 a.m. on Sundays and 5 p.m. on Fridays here in the Seattle area on 101.9 FM KVSH. You can also stream it online and even sign up for my podcast at marchtwisdale.com. So thanks, everybody, for joining us. And before we dive into the show, I'm going to remind you that the views and opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of the board, staff, underwriters, or donors of Voice of Ashan. As an organization, VOV does not take political positions. We do support our show hosts and their guests in expressing their views as long as they're not obscene or hate-mongering. Thank you, everybody, for listening. So, Siga, to get started, how about you give our listeners a sense of who you are, what you do, you know, ground yourself a little bit? Yeah. Um, I am the store manager of um, a bookstore in downtown Reykjavik. I have been working there for almost two years now. Um, I've been working in a bookstore in Iceland for five years now. Well, books are really my passion, <laughs> so mm-hmm. I'm, I'm really doing what, what makes me happy. Besides that, I have uh, a few sheep at my parents' farm. So those yeah. are your sheep? Yeah, well, I have six of them. Got it. How did the lambing season go? It's been going pretty well. Excellent. Do you still have some babies on the way? Yeah, there are like five, five probably left. Oh, my goodness. So for folks who, if you think about Iceland, it's a big, giant island, and it's got this town called Reykjavik where... I think it's actually maybe more like 75% of the population maybe is in there. It's pretty high. Yeah, it's it's really high, yeah. Right, 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 right. And then right now, though, you're down at your parents' farm, which is about an hour and a half away on the southern part of the island. Yeah, exactly. So what's it like right now? Let's see, we're, we're doing this interview in the middle of May. You're actually going to be on the air. So right now, hi, everybody. It is early July. I know that. Um, <laughs> what is the, uh, what's it like in the summer when it comes to sun? Actually, the 21st of June, uh, we have a day that the sun never goes down. Then it's the day starts to get shorter. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. What, I've talked to a number of people now. You're my fifth interview from Iceland. And um, one of them said that the trees were blooming in November. And another gentleman, Johannes, said that it was, like, in his view, the best winter ever because it was actually quite nice comparatively. So what what's it been like? Yeah, the winter has actually been really good. Um, we really didn't have any winter until like February, mm-hmm. which is really unusual. So that was really nice. Right, right, right. So it's pleasant in the short term, but a little bit worrying in the long term, maybe. Yeah, exactly. It it makes you think like this is not normal. Something is, is happening. Yeah. All righty. So we've got a bunch of different things we're going to touch upon here. And let's see. 
you are working at an independent bookstore, correct? Yes, it's, um, I think I can say it's the biggest independent bookstore in Iceland. And how big is it? Well, we have uh, five stories. Wow, all one store? Yeah, we have quite a lot of books in there. What's exciting for people in Iceland? When they go into a bookstore, what do they seem to love the most? Well, um, we have a, a whole floor that's for the Icelandic books or books in Icelandic. We mostly sell soft covers to the Icelanders over the year until Christmas. Then people want hardbacks. And that's during the holiday. How do you pronounce Is it Jólabókaflun or how do you pronounce that? Yeah, Jólabókaflun. Jólabókaflun. Okay. Yeah. Very <sighs> cool. And that's called Flood of Books. Yes. So when does that flood sort of start to trickle in? Um, I would say the book starts rolling out in um, October. Yeah, the beginning of October. But um, sometimes September can be counted in as well, mostly for poems. And then um, November and December are sort of like crazy and wild? Yeah. And so what is it like having grown up in a culture where books are so important to the society that you live in? It's wonderful. I think every person I know reads at least five books over the year. At least. That's pretty good because um, I've lived abroad as well. And I, I think the amount of people that enjoy reading here is quite high. So do you think that the weather has something to do with why books are so popular? Yeah, definitely. With, with all the darkness in the wintertime, nothing you'd like to do more than just curl up inside with a good book. Maybe a book about a sunny planet. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. With warm weather and sand and yeah. Yeah. So tell us a little bit more about the book culture in Iceland. We have a 99.7%, how do you say that? Literacy. People read, literacy, yeah. Yep. Kids learn how to read when they're six years old. I think almost all kids know how to read when they're seven. That's mm -hmm. like really few that don't know how to. And we have, um, actually, there is a, an author here, which is one of my favorite. His name is Ivar. And there is a competition. And, and in the end, there is a winner. And the winner gets to have his name in the next book he writes. <gasps> Ivar, that is. Oh. And this has been really popular. And he has actually been doing wonders because we were seeing that the kids were starting to read a bit less. And this has actually, I think in my experience at least, spiked the interest of kids in books. And his books are one of the most popular ones that are published here. So, Children, of course, in Iceland are learning. They're learning two languages from a pretty young age. Yeah, well, I think they start learning English in some schools at six years old. Mm -hmm. Is it ever included in the, in the preschools? Not all of them, but I know that some some preschools do have a program of um, learning the basic English words as well. So these kids are not, they're actually having to learn how to read in two languages as well. And one of the things I find really fascinating about Icelandic, and um, one, of my, one of my guest authors earlier was talking about it, it's his passion, is that apparently the language that you speak is almost identical to the way it was spoken a thousand years ago. It has not really altered much over time. Yeah, that's right. Um, it's actually really close to the old Norse language. And it's, um, I think, a part of the, the reason that it's um, it hasn't changed that much is that 
Icelandic people are actually really <laughs> into making new words for like instead of using a lot of slang, mm-hmm. we just make new Icelandic words. <laughs> so we build it on some old words, you know, like we combine maybe two old words into one. Well, yeah, like computers and stuff, you know, they get an Icelandic words. We don't recently saw an ad. They were um, using uh, introducing a new word for emoticon, like the small yellow smiley face. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, the new word is is actually well, it's hard to um, explain, but it's it's short and it's I, I can't really see it happening that anyone will use it, but I'm sure <laughs> in like five years everybody will know what it is. And right, and there are some people that that are going to use it. So, so yeah, things like that keep the keep the language alive. I think. We we try to um, take care of the language and mm-hmm. you know, and so far I think it's going pretty good. Very that okay now okay so there's all sorts of like interesting things that are outside of Reykjavik that I've been curious about and since you have you know your parents farm and you you're out and about and stuff I was wondering um a friend of mine went to Iceland for about a week on the way to Europe and said that the hot water is essentially like basically free and so they went into a hotel and the hotel said oh and if your room gets too warm just crack open a window yeah whereas like you know in america if the room was too warm they'd say oh well thank you please turn the thermostat down or something like that so so what is it like out in the country do you guys also have any sort of infrastructure or access to um the local energy resources or are they mostly directed towards larger cities how does that sort of work well, um, it actually depends on where you are in in the country. But like right here on my parents' farm, the name is Reykir, which is, um, well, it's just basically smoke in, hmm. in a way. And that's because there is a hot spring outside. Ah. That has, and, you know, which has been built over. And we use the heat from that hot spring to warm up the houses. And we have a hot tub with the water from there. And so we don't pay a lot for, for the heating here. It, but in some cases, like in the West Fjords, where you don't have a lot of hot springs or, or um, hot water, at least, um, they do use electricity to warm up the houses. Do so they... that can be a bit more expensive, but it's still relatively, relatively inexpensive compared to other countries. And you guys use the hot water to generate the electricity? No, we just put the hot water in pipes and put them in the house. No, so we no. have like heating in the floors. And for you guys, you just don't have to heat the water because it's automatically hot. Yeah. Okay, cool. So what is that like? I mean, in America, we're always talking about energy independence and things like that. And what do you think is going on in Iceland where you you have a a local source of tremendous energy that no one else in the world has like a right to because you're a sovereign nation? And wow, I mean, I, I can't even get my brain wrapped around that idea. Well, are you talking about like um, the electricity we are making with the uh, waterfalls and stuff? Or why? Yeah, what do you guys do to to harness the energy that's coming out of that natural resource? Well, unfortunately, we have had um, <laughs> we have a waterfall um, like we make dams, and we have been selling the electricity quite cheaply to um, factories like aluminum smelts. Mm-hmm. Um, they are pretty nasty, in my opinion, mm-hmm. um, because we have to uh, import 
the aluminum and then we have to export it again. And the only thing that is happening really is that we're selling this electricity quite cheap. Oh, okay. Now, see, I, so, saw, yeah. I saw the aluminum smelting um, on the map and I had mm-hmm. asked someone about it because I thought that you actually were digging up the aluminum out of the soil and someone said that they weren't quite sure what was going on and it seemed they didn't know enough about the topic so we didn't touch on it Smelt- what's going yeah. on with the pollution from that yeah well actually uh, <laughs> i worked in an aluminum uh, aluminum smelts factory for a summer because um before that i had been like really decided against them and and um it's actually touching on my area uh, in this, yeah, my, my family's home area um, mm-hmm. because there was like this dam that was going to be built and the home of the, yeah, the, the, all the wild goose was going to be ruined and it, mm. it was a really hot topic here and I, every, everyone was really mad and so I'd been taking part in a lot of a lot of things like that, that and writing some articles and stuff and then I thought, well, I don't know how this works so I'm going to give it a try one summer so I can know what I'm talking about and yeah. what I'm talking against. And actually, that convinced me even more. It's this is not the industry I would like to see here. Mm-hmm. This is it's um, all the pollution just importing goods here just to smelt them with cheap electricity that's affecting our nature mm-hmm. to ex- export them again. We don't even um, do the full work here. It's just. It, it makes no sense. Right, right, right. I know, I know. So, like, in America, they recently passed um, – so the USDA um, makes decisions about how food is supposed to be healthy and how food can be managed and handled and processed and whatnot. And I believe it was the USDA that went ahead and agreed to this idea where chickens that are raised in the United States are – I believe they're slaughtered here, put on a ship where a Chinese company processes the chickens into pieces of meat or whatever, packages it up, sends it back, and and sells it back to the U.S. Wow, yeah. And I'm like, you're you're (laughs) taking chickens across the Pacific Ocean so you can chop them up and bring them back again. Oh, why does that make sense? How is that happening? I don't understand. And all the pollution, you know, it's it's crazy. We have a similar situation here. Um, there's a methanol plant that a chi- so our Democratic Party government, um, Jay Inslee, the um, governor of Washington State, um, engaged with and invited a corporation from China to come over here into our state because we have a lot of water and we have mm-hmm. a lot of um, electricity. And so they were going to build methanol plants at the, like, the end point of our rivers. And then they would create the methanol and ship it back to China where it's used to create plastic products. So it sounds similar to what you guys are dealing with with the aluminum smelter. Yeah. So what happened with that dam and those geese? Um, it was, it was all put up, but it's, um, it's was put up uh, further away. It's in, in the east, but still, it was a pretty nasty deal. And are the geese okay or impacted? 
well, um, I'm not sure how, how that actually ended up in numbers, but they had to move yeah. their nesting area. Yeah. <sighs> but of course they tell us that there are other birds now swimming in the pond that was, yeah, built via the dam. Well, I know, I know. So everyone all over the world is having to, like, it's our backyard. It's, it's you know, our natural environment. And what bothers me, I think, is that the people who um, wanted the dam, wanted the electricity, and want the aluminum smelter are probably not living next door. And they're definitely never going to work in the factories. What was it like working in the factory? I mean, what, what type of um, job is that? Well... Basically, it's not, it's not that bad of a job. Mm-hmm. It's just, you know, driving a, a forklift driver and, and, you know, yeah, handling like, um, well, it's it's pretty messy, but yeah, it was, it's okay. Right. Not something I want to do again, though. <laughs> right, right, right. So you feel like the, the Icelanders who are working there are being, uh, they're safe? Well, yeah, they're safe. But um, I think I think this is a job that no one really has a passion to do. Yeah. And, well, they say that the pay is good, but when you count the hours together, it's mediocre at best. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and a lot uh, of times yeah. that's the argument, right? You know, let us do this because of jobs. You know, they have, yeah. um, there's these pipelines, uh, the Dakota Access Pipeline, you might have heard of. That's the one going under the Missouri and um, near Standing Rock and the reservation. There's been a bunch of stuff about it. And mm-hmm. so... They they say there's a bunch of jobs, and there are a bunch of jobs temporarily during the construction process, which is, um, you know, a few months in each location. And But after that, I believe the entire pipeline, which goes through like seven or eight states, will employ 35 people. Yeah. That sounds like, yeah, it's the same things that are happening here because um, they, they say, uh, let us open these factories and uh, we will have loads of jobs. And in the end, they have to import people to work at these places because r- really it's it's something that no one wants to do for a long time, mm-hmm. perhaps. And uh, it ends and ends up not leaving a lot of good jobs in the country. So I, right. I think we're not really doing anything good with this. So why don't we switch over a little bit then, because one of the things you talked about earlier with me during our pre-chat was that you do feel very um, hopeful or positive about the level of activism and engagement within the people um, of Iceland. I mean, your view is that people really care a lot about, quote, politics, or I like instead of the word politics, it's about how their way of life is impacted by their collective societal decision-making, which is what government is supposed to be. So so tell us a little bit about what that's like in Iceland. Well, in my opinion, um, young people are actually all of, pretty, pretty interested in politics and in what's happening in the country. Mm-hmm. We have a pretty good school system, and right. um, people get education about politics and how things work. So I think that plays a big role in that. Um, also, I think with you know with Facebook and and all these different levels of um, communication, um, people are now more able to find others with uh, similar looks on life, mm-hmm. maybe, and and are able to communicate more about their um, 
feelings or, or thoughts on politics or on things they are not okay with and want to change. Mm -hmm. Well, you know what? Real quickly, I'm going to do a station identification and then we're going to come back and follow up on that a little bit more. So, okay. folks, if you are just now joining us, this is March Twisdale, producer and host of Focus On. And today I'm having a really great time talking with Siga, whose full name I cannot pronounce. So how about you go ahead and pronounce it for everybody? My name is Sigrid Sjöle. You know, it's such a beautiful language. <sighs> Okie doke. So um, we're going to give a shout out to a couple of folks that keep Voice of Ashon on the air, basically, starting with Island Escrow. Support for this program comes from Island Escrow, Vashon's only independent escrow company, providing comprehensive service for all types of real estate transactions since 1979. You can reach them at 206 463 3137. We also receive support for this program from Northwest School of Animal Massage. NWSAM has something for every animal lover workshops, professional courses, and blended learning options that allow flexibility as students learn large and small animal massage for everything from professional certification to taking special care of a beloved pet. More information can be learned at nwsam.com. So let's see here. You were talking a little bit about people in Iceland having not only a really high level of literacy, basically everyone reads, but also activism and engagement is high in the younger generations that are really comfortable with social media platforms and are able to connect with each other. What do you think is going on generationally in Iceland? I think actually we're seeing a bit of a gap between the older generation and the younger generation some young people are are quite tired of the situation here um, regarding for example housing for example in Reykjavik it's mostly in Reykjavik really mm -hmm. it's really hard for young people to buy apartments or houses because um, the loan system here is quite bad if you want to buy an apartment you have to be able to pay like 20 percent which is Okay, but the interest rate on most loans to buy houses is like 7%. Oh my goodness, that is really quite high. Yeah, it's really quite high. And we That's actually also have... a lot of interest. Yeah. <laughs> and, the, and the price of housing is, is also quite mad. So for young people that are starting a family, it's, it's a question of either renting. And the mm -hmm. rent is... You know, I think the U.S. dollar is like 110 Icelandic krona. So one dollar equals just under 110 Icelandic krona. Mm -hmm. So a month's rent in, in Reykjavik, not really central, three uh, bedrooms would be like 200 to 250,000 Icelandic krona. So about $2,000? Yeah, $2,500. $500, yeah, 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 for a three-bedroom. Yeah, that's yeah. high. Um, or you could buy an apartment. Um like the basic basic price of an apartment in Reykjavik, not really downtown, but um, one bedroom would go for thirty million. Thirty million, and you gotta take away three zeros, so three hundred thousand. Yeah, so it's really hard for young people to start, you know, start the family, start a home. So I think that's actually making young people a bit, you know, worried. And we had a, a situation here um, after the crash in two thousand seven. We had right. Um, you know, everyone was pretty mad. We got uh, new parties that were in charge for, uh, I think, three years. And then we decided, as a country, mm -hmm. <laughs> to vote 
the old parties back. <laughs> and um, yeah, and um, they actually managed one one party in, in particular that used to be like a farmer's party, but is now more, well, it, it can't really even say what it is because it's it's nothing like it used to be. At least the leader uh, there, he decided that he was going to get some votes by promising people that he would do something called ledrettingen mm-hmm. here. So that way he would like correct the massive, because the loans people had, they grew like massively. Mm-hmm. Because we have also um, everything here regarding banks and loans is just really weird. So and it's interesting is that you guys had the banksters and you actually nationalized your banks for a couple of years or something and like threw some of the CEOs or whatever in jail. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was actually seen on the global scene. You guys were seen as being the rare bird that handled the crisis better than most other groups. Like Europe decided to do austerity measures, which have been shown to really not work. And the U.S. decided to do a massive bailout of the wealth class and bailed out the banks and the wealth class um, while letting everyone else basically get get trampled on. That didn't mm-hmm. work. And no. so you guys are seen as having been quite more sort of, um, gosh, golly, this wasn't okay, and we're going to take care of the people. So why did yeah. you guys vote back in the same party? Isn't that party that got voted back in three years later, isn't that the guy that got kicked out because he was engaged in the Panama Papers? Yeah, and that's actually the guy that gave this this promise and right. and, and caused the you know we everybody that had a loan over X amount or something got like a refund. But the only people that actually gained something from this refund was people that had something, you know. Yeah. It's not not the young people, not the people that didn't have that much of money. So in the end, the only people that gained were the wealthy ones, really. Right. Yeah. And then he gets kicked out because he's engaging in this little sneaky um, offshore. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, his wife, Mm -hmm. as he says. Oh, God. (laughs) It wasn't me. It was the wife. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. This is so brilliant because, you know, so I'm going to remind my listeners out there. So um, Iceland has roughly around 330,000 people in the country. And that's half the size of Seattle. <laughs> and so I would like to put that out there. It's like, okay, imagine if you're, you know, your entire country is half the size of Seattle, which for people in the local area is going to really mean something. But And then our, our nation, U.S., has 350 million people. So sometimes people will say that social programs that support everyone in the society or a socialist democracy type of approach to self-government or representative government, people in America often will say, oh, well, sure, they can do that over there in Iceland or Denmark or Norway because they're a really, really small country, and we're big, so we can't. But even in Iceland where it's small, you guys slid back into trusting a previously trusted um, political party. Is that sort of what was going on there? Old habits, I think, and mm-hmm. and I think it's uh, uh, yeah. People want want to believe that everything can just be the same, keep rolling smoothly, you know. Right. But but everything seems to be going quite good here right now. I'm um, my opinion is that it's not thanks to the 
politicians, but we have been quite lucky. Uh, you know, the corona was not that strong and we got loads of tourists and mm-hmm. we have a country that's filled with, with resources. So, Which is sort of why the aluminum smelter there is, though. Because yeah. you've got, you know, because your resources. So it's got to be an interesting balancing act. You don't want to get preyed upon by global interests, and yet you want to make the most of your resources in a sustainable way. Yeah. Um, they're actually talking about um, selling electricity to the UK, I think. Um, mm-hmm. Hopefully that's something that won't happen, though. How would that happen? How would they transport electricity? Um, through something they call, like, Seistrinkurses, like a massive line they literally um, want to run a line between the down, two countries. <laughs> yeah, through the ocean, I think. That right. This is not not my specialty, and and just something yeah. you hear on the news, and well, you get pretty like ah, that's probably not a good idea. Why does everything have to be commoditized? Yeah, you know, why can't we just have fewer aluminum smelts and have cheaper electricity and make more food here, for example? You know, we we grow a lot of greens here, mm-hmm. and y- you could. For example, offer people, you know, uh, cheaper electricity to to light these houses over the wintertime so we had more greens in the wintertime from Iceland. Wouldn't have to import as much and, yeah, and the pollution would be way less and everything would be nicer. But, you know, aluminum smelts and and the wealth class, they need need to have their share, of course. You guys, with all of that readily available electricity, could have probably really amazing greenhouses and stuff mm-hmm. and, and completely alter the local food production capabilities of Iceland compared to in the past without having to contribute to global warming. Yeah, that would actually be really nice if we, if we would do that. And I could, I would see, you know, if we would close the aluminum smelts, why not use the, the buildings there and just change the roofs and make them into really big greenhouses? That's it's an it's an idea that I have seen, you know, drawn up, and it looks quite amazing. So that's mm. something I would actually rather like than the massive massive use of energy for something that's not leaving anything here. Right, 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 right. So why do you think something like that doesn't happen? I think it's just politics, really. Hmm. I wonder. Because yeah. you know, no, it's yeah, it's not only the electricity that we have here; it's also the the warm water, you know, the heat we have because you don't have to use as much electricity when you have the hot water in the houses. Right, right. So you could use, so you could be running the hot water underneath the houses in one direction, cooling it as it moves through, but heating up the building. And then the mm-hmm. water gets cooled off and comes back to actually irrigate the plants. And and can you irrigate with your water or does it have minerals in it? Actually, I think, I think they don't do that because, well, at least not in this area because we have a load, lot of um, yeah, some minerals and stuff that would not be okay. But but they use the heat to heat the houses, and then you don't have to use as much electricity. But right, it's brilliant, really. Yeah, you know, Australia actually has been talking because they're so arid in a lot of areas, and they um, are coming up with a lot of really amazing inventions and options for um, how to. The reason they want to do like. Um, greenhouse growing is because it keeps the moisture in so they bring the moisture in and then as it warms it condenses along like the inside of the roof and then it slides back down and can be actually reused and and so each region of the world we have the ability as humans to come up with amazing systems we just need social support for 
those amazing systems instead of the old school, not so great, but guaranteed to make you some cash in the short term. Yeah. 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 So do you guys have an environmental section at the bookshop? Um, well, we have a shelf. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, but there's not so much that has been published really in Icelandic, but what, what we have is, is quite good. Mm hmm. What about a political section at the bookstore? I mean, you have five floors. Is it is it yeah. just gen separated by language, or do you actually you obviously have content areas? Yeah, of course. Yeah, content areas, of course. Yeah, we have politics. We have um, also what is really popular in Iceland is um, books about the lives of politicians. Really? Basically. Yeah. Oh, so you guys like to actually know the background of your politicians? But yes, that's a pretty popular section. Hmm. Is there a lot of, um, what about like talk radio, um, the news media, um, how is the conversation handled, um, on the public level? Um, it's civilized, but you know, um, really, well, that's unusual. <laughs> <laughs> we, but it differs, you know, we have, uh, we have the, the national, um, channel roof and they really bring most of the, tell most of the news and. Like I said, the national interest in politics is is high end, and a lot of the news is politic related. So, is there trust in Iceland and and the Icelandic people in general? Is there like a sense of we can trust our news media and we can, um, you know, believe what they tell us, or is there an effort to go into the internet and other places to try to find quote you know what's really going on? Well, um, I think generally people trust the, uh, the the media, the at least roof, you know, the the national um, TV channel. Mm -hmm. But of course, there are always groups that you know want a def different different media, and they do have like we have one radio channel here that is quite um, well. It is a platform for people with views that are not really. Um, allowed on other platforms maybe interesting can, can contain a bit of hate speech in my opinion mm. so, so i don't really listen to that mm -hmm. <laughs> radio station but yeah so it's a it's an independent radio station but yeah right. it's a platform for people that have certain ideas so what i really love about this is the sense that you know you've got lambs and you work at a bookstore and and you are you have a desire to go actually and, you know, go work for a company that you're concerned about so you can get the inside scoop on it. I mean, you know, you, ha you have a, like a rational and um, logical and almost um, patient sort of, you know, view of the topic and yet you're passionate about it. And a lot of times I get the sense that um, people get radicalized in order to become active in America. It's almost like, you know, you're more active if you are more radical. And it sounds like it's common and normal for people in Iceland to also pay attention and care about what's going on politically. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that's actually the case here. What makes it and possible for people to be in a normal frame of mind and be interested in and discussing politics? <laughs> I know it sounds weird, yeah. but but really, it's so yeah, often yeah. there's a huge energy 
that a person has in America when they're discussing politics. There's like an anxiety. You're wondering who's going to attack you. You know, there, there's so much energy around it. Of course, you can find that here as well. But I think generally, you know, here you you have the, you know, the freedom of speech and you are entitled to your own opinions. Mm-hmm. Um, personally, me and the people that I, uh, yeah, I'm around and I think... You know, you just respect other people's opinions. You don't have to agree with them, of course. But in my opinion, it, it won't do you any good, like trying to fight with someone. You can't make them feel the way you do. Mm-hmm. You can you can tell them your opinion and, and tell them why you have the opinion. And if they don't see anything there, you know, you, you, at least you plant the seed and, and hope, you know, maybe that opens a new door for them to a new thinking. But right. But generally, you know, you, you don't change people's minds, especially regarding politics, I think. I love the planting seed idea and the the feeling that, well, I don't know, you guys are not quite in the same place of sort of dire anxiety that the American government is of right now facing. Of course not, no. Yeah. Of course not. Yeah. It's an interesting country to live in right now. Yeah, I can believe that. And, you know, we, of course, have loads of news about this. And I think um, in Iceland, we were really surprised with the outcome of your election. Yep. Yeah. How did people in Iceland feel, do you think? I mean, obviously, you're just one person. I'm not asking you to speak for the whole nation. But what was the conversation? Because I spent June of 2016 um most of the month in Denmark and I cannot tell you how many times people like stopped me um, and said, tell us what's going on. We, you know, you've got this, this guy Bernie and they'd have their opinion about Bernie and then they're like, and then you got Hillary and then you got this Trump guy. You don't think that Trump guy actually has a chance, you know? I, yeah. And yeah. I had all these, these people who were like, tell us what's going on. And I'm like, um, I'll tell you my <laughs> viewpoint. But um, what was it like in Iceland during the primary when you had the whole Bernie-Hillary thing going on? How were people reflecting on that? I actually think, um, well, the people that I engage most with, they were all like, yeah, Bernie's going to take this away. It's definitely going to happen. You know, that's probably what would have happened here. Um, when he didn't get through, it was like, well, okay, well, Hillary's going to take this away, right? Mm-hmm. And then that didn't happen. And everyone was like, how (laughs) (laughs) well i know how i have ideas about knowing how but i won't go into them right now and i was not surprised that he beat hillary the turnout of of you know the people that go to vote is surprisingly low in your country well now okay so i'll ask you this i haven't asked someone from another country yet i usually ask this question of people in the u.s and I've only had one person get close to correct. Everybody's off. So we'll see. This will be interesting, right? Does the woman from Iceland actually get the get the answer better than Americans? So um, there are, are there's Democrats and Republicans, and then you have independents in the United States. There are also mm-hmm. Greens and Libertarians. They're very, very, very small number of them. Um, so. Of all of the people in the United States of America who are registered to vote, what percentage would you guess are Democrats, Republicans, 
or independence. Just as a casual person who lives on planet Earth who has a rough media-based sense of the idea, you know, what would you guess are the percentages for those three groups? Well, I would probably say that is it quite even, like 30, 30, 30, or something like that? Okay, well, that's actually closer than most people. Um, <laughs> especially as people get older, they tend to overassume that the Republicans and the Democrats are highly represented and that there's just a small little number of independents, right? And mm-hmm. I think this aligns a little bit with, with the other thing you brought up earlier about how millennials or younger people have um, a higher level of engagement. They're really sort of very savvy to what's going on. They're really paying attention. They understand the global consequences of our past actions. And there's, there's like this, you know, growing urgency in the younger generation, right? Okay. Mm -hmm. So in the United States of America, and for all our listeners out there, this will be interesting for you. There are 22% of registered voters in the U S are registered as Republicans. 26% are registered as Democrats. And 43% of American voters are registered as independents. So when you had so many independents who were coming out on behalf of Bernie Sanders, who even though he ran as a Democrat, he really was – he's been an independent his whole life and he had a very independent platform, right? And Mm -hmm. then Bernie is not selected as the candidate. Now you've got 22 and 26 that are party-affiliated up against each other, and you have all these independents who many of them are feeling completely angry about the situation. And definitely a lot of them felt like they didn't really want to participate because they didn't like the two candidates. So it it was a very interesting past year. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. These are quite incredible numbers. Yeah, 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 right? I know. It suggests Compared that, to the outcome, at least. Well, and so this brings us to the question of multi-party systems, which you guys enjoy in Iceland. So mm-hmm. in, in America, even though we've got you know this huge percentage of people who don't like these two parties, there's still this view in media and debates help to maintain this view that we are a two-party country, even though most people are now fleeing those two parties. So there's a definite shift coming. But in your country, you guys already live with a multi-party approach. And it's a collaborative approach, isn't it? Well, um, we have, I think, I think we had like six or seven parties we could choose from mm-hmm. um, these past elections. Um, actually, there were some smaller ones as well, but I think they didn't get so many votes right um we have in the basis we have the four oldest uh parties that mm-hmm. we actually have they have a name here fjordflokker and it's like the the old power ah interesting yeah so that's like um what's the name of those ra- four parties um it's uh so that's the the furthest right then we have uh Framsok, which is um closer to the middle or they used to be like really middle. They they fought for the farmers and for the independence of the country and so on. Um, then we have Samfylkingen, um, uh, which is a, a middle, yeah, 
quite quite middle, maybe a bit to the right on some sides and left on other mm-hmm. subjects. And then we have Vinstergreinet, uh, which is um, a bit more to the left. Mm-hmm. It's like environmental issues and and stuff like that. that so you have four for. groups that are viewed as historically being around and and so like the old power, as you put it. So you guys had been a like a quadro, you know, party. And now you have additional ones that are sort of edging in. Yeah. Yeah, well, the four ones, they've, they've not always had the same name, but it's the basic same power behind, behind them. Mm-hmm. Um, now we have, yeah, we have the Pirate Party, of course, which is quite interesting. Right. It's new, but it's getting pretty big. Mm-hmm. And um, then we have Björst uh, Framtis, uh, which is also kind of center. What about Bright so, Futures? Um. Well, they're not doing anything they said they would do, really. Uh-huh. <laughs> Are they um... left-leaning, though? <laughs> Are they left-leaning? Do, or... Well, yeah, kind of. Like, centered, but, yeah, definitely a bit more to the left. At least that's how they introduce themselves. Right. What they have been doing, well, it's not all bad. I mean, I mean some of them are doing good stuff and, and what they said they would do, but... Mm-hmm. But some of them are definitely not, mm. and that has made people a bit angry because they are actually part. Um, they're in the ruling part now, along with Schellstadsblockers and um, and well, now it's completely stolen from me. But at least um, they are they are not not really popular at the moment. <laughs> So what is it like when you have when you have multiple parties? There's obviously the piece of election, like that's probably the smallest piece of it. Where yay, when you go to vote, you've got a bunch of people to choose from. But what what happens after the votes? And you've got now a parliament that's made up of you know thirteen percent, twenty percent, eighteen percent. These different groups. Um, what goes on after that when it comes to them trying to figure out ways to collaborate or 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 trade favors or how does that how does that feel to an Icelander? Well, it was actually quite confusing, at least now, because it took over I think a hundred days because none of them could really find uh, a way to to work together um, until um, until like after a lot of time. Um, I think I think it's actually quite good though because you have you have different viewpoints that have to meet at you know with some areas you know that they always have to find a way to work together right so i think that's that's not necessarily bad because even though you might agree the most with one party the others can bring good things as well mm-hmm. and also ground some ideas and and make things happen and even in a better way is so. there a sense of um people having their feet in the mud and, you know, like um, a lot of warfare type of sensations and battle cries? Or is it, does it um, go the other direction where it's more like um, people who you you believe actually really do want to work together and that they are, are authentically trying to work things out? You know, what, what is the energy or the emotion around mm-hmm. that? Well, it really differs and it actually just, it's, based on what they're what they're doing what they're talking about sometimes you get the feel that they're never going to get a solution that everyone's happy with but mm-hmm. but 
basically, I mean, it's a it's a pretty small country, and and you have to be able to be friendly outside of work. So, mm. <laughs> <laughs> right, there's that idea that everyone in Iceland knows everybody else, at least you know to some degree or something. That you guys are all really connected pretty well. Yeah, well, kind of. Yeah. What is that like? Like two people degree of separation or something like that? <laughs> well. I'm not sure if if that's that's exactly it, but yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so when um, I guess, would do you wish the parties would just collaborate into two, or do you like having multiples, or do you wish there were more? I mean, how does it um, how's it working for you? I actually like the multiple multiple um thing we have going on here, but. I would actually like to be able to vote people from different different parties. Oh, so you have so to... I would like to have the parties. They right. work together. But I would like to be able to um, vote specific people as well. So are you limited to voting for people within a party that you've joined? Um, yeah, that's basically how it works. You know, you, you go and you can vote um, if, if you're part of, part of a party you can have some influence in how, how their list is made up. Right, right, right. Partly, you know, it's, it's actually, this is, it's not something I've ever done, really. Is so. that during the, that's during like the primary season. That's like, you know, when yeah. they're deciding who to put forward. But when the national elections happen, you know, let's say you belong to the pirate party, but you happen to adore a woman who's running for a different party. At the national elections, you can vote wherever you want? Well, I would not be able to vote that woman because I would vote for my party. Because you wanted to or because the rules limit you to only voting in party? Yeah, because the rules are that way. Well, what if you the rules were changed party? so that you could work on your party and get the best person forward, but then if some other party comes along and surprises you with a better option, you have the freedom to vote over there. I mean, do people discuss wanting that to change? I think, I think the thing is that you know, we have, we just go and vote and you have these parties you can choose from. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't think we are that, that we've come that far that we are able to maybe choose like I would like to see happen. You know, you could choose your party, but you could also say like, I like this person from another party. Mm-hmm. So I would like to add her to my group or something like that. So there's room for improvement in your system as well. Yeah, definitely. There's always room for improvement. But I think more choices are generally better than Mm -hmm. fewer. Right. One of the things is people, um, sometimes people in America will resist an idea from another country because they feel like that is a criticism of how we're doing things here. And I always think, well, there's things we're doing here that are probably really great that other countries are borrowing as well. So it's it's really a matter of trade. It's about trading good ideas and, you know, learning from each other rather than, yeah. you know, this strange idea that everything inside my borders is perfect and everything outside is not worthy. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very cool. So do you have a favorite book that you would recommend to listeners? Because there are people in Iceland who will be listening to this show as well. What's your favorite book of the month? Favorite book of the month? I'm I'm reading Milk and Honey. Wait, who wrote I've heard that. Who wrote that? Rupi Kaur. Oh. And um, I really liked it. 
All right, pick one other book from a different genre that you recommend <laughs> as the amazing woman who loves to read and who manages this amazing bookstore. What's another book you'd recommend? Ah, uh, you're putting me on the spot here. Something Icelandic. Um, I really like a book that's called Yehetivit uh, Isir Leon. Definitely recommend reading something by Laxness. I really like Salka Valka. Mm-hmm. Laxness is uh, our only author that has gotten the Nobel Prize. Quite classic, and and his writing is beautiful. You can all, he has been translated to English, so that's that's something I would definitely recommend. Either Salka Valka, Independent People. It's is probably one of the books I sell the most at the store. If I have to recommend something for people that are looking for something classic to read, Icelandic, and it's very good. And it's translated into English. Yeah. Can we get a copy of that sent over here? Because I always, um, all of my guests get to send me whatever book they want to go on the display at our local bookshop, and it'll be out there for the two weeks while you're on the air. Do you want to have that be your book? Yeah, definitely. I love it. So it's an Icelandic author, but it's in English, so everyone will be able to, people come in and they sit down and they peruse it, and then if they love it, they can order it from the bookstore, of course. Sounds very good. Yay! I got some book <laughs> recommendations from an Icelandic book lady. I love it. <laughs> well, we're basically out of time, so we yeah. are. Yeah, yeah. Is there any last thing that you really wanted to throw out there into the interview? I, I look forward to seeing you in Iceland. I, I, I think you'd like the, the the store, and hopefully, I'll be there to show you all the difference because we have really nice publishers there. So we have independent ones, and then we have a really big one, and it's we have all sorts of politics within the the book publishing industry here. Oh, I bet. Oh, I bet. We, you know, yeah. I would love to take you out for coffee when I'm there, and we could chit chat if you have yeah. time. That would be great. Yay! Sounds good. You can tell me about the lambs. I can tell you about the lambs. Yeah, yeah, pictures. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. Oh, I would love to see pictures. That'd be great. All right. Well, um, thank you so much, Siga, for joining me today. No, oh, thank you for having me. And that's our show, folks. My name is March Twisdale, and you've been listening to my interview with, I'm going to have her say it, Sigridur Sholey. There you go, here on Focus On, where my guests discuss how they hope to see the world change for the better, one shared idea at a time.